Screen by Wiggins. Curry gets Horford. Curry fires. Heat check freak confirmed. It's good for Curry. 23-18, and Curry says, hey, we are here to play. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. Hour number two, John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason, 888-957-9570, as I am in Boston. And Whitey, right off the top of the second hour here, I do want to go right to the Xfinity mobile text line, Mm -hmm. and I want to address something here uh, in the 240. JD, what the hell? Your energy is so low today. Are you okay? (laughs) And, And the answer to that question is yes, I'm perfectly fine, but I should let the listener know I am because of the Eastern time, right, when I've mm-hmm. done shows at, at hotels before, and I've got the, the kit, same kit we typically use in, in the broadcast from home era and, and the broadcast from Chase Center era, this kit with a headset, and it plugs into the phone, and you know, we can hook up to the station. It sounds like you're, you're right there. Well, because of the, the time difference, I was actually forced to check out of my hotel this morning at at noon, right before noon as we hit the air so they needed to get the the room turned typically i can get a late checkout but but four o'clock here in the east coast is a that's a pretty late checkout right so yeah. they say you're more than welcome to come down to our to our lobby restaurant area <laughs> and and just take a table and just do the show and i'm like do you really want me to do that because i have a tendency to get really animated and we're going to be talking about the game last night and i know you know a lot of Celtics fans, I know you all here are Celtics fans, and the people here have been great all week. Just such a festive atmosphere. There's a big Celtics logo painted on the floor of this hotel, right? When you walk in, there have been banners up everywhere and balloons and just a tremendous atmosphere as everybody's getting into the spirit, as you would expect. But I said, I don't know that you really want me yelling about the Warriors for four hours. And they're like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, but I, I think maybe I was – I'm a little tentative – into mm. just belt it out like I normally would if I was at home or if I was in the studio or if I was maybe at Chase Center or an empty TD Garden at 3 a.m. Well, yeah, I was going to ask you where you were because I could hear the background noise, which is a little unusual. Yeah, a well, yeah. little music. I, we got a little yeah. mu- mood music in the background. Sounds very festive and everything. Uh, but also, you know, and J.D. has been working so hard and he was on earlier this morning, so... Uh, I think you sound great, but it's it's all understandable. I did want to ask you, and I don't know how much you've had a chance to 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 take the pulse on this, but um, you know, in the Bay Area, everyone is excited, and there's some relief too. Now you can enjoy this game. Got a couple of days to enjoy the game before the you know nerve wracking uh, game five. But where are Celtics fans um, today after that game? Where you know they have five point lead in fourth quarter at home, didn't win. So where would you say Celtics fans are with all that today? I think that the feeling that I get is that they didn't really fully expect the Celtics to win both games in, in, wow. of the of game three and game four just because they hadn't at any point in the playoffs here. They've, they've split uh, every pair that they've had except for when they were able to win the first couple of games against the, the Nets, and they ultimately swept Brooklyn. But but just whether it was the Milwaukee series, they split the first two, they split the last two, they split game three and four against Miami. When they came back with a 1-1 series, they had a chance to go up 3-2 and didn't win. Uh, or I'm sorry, had a chance to close it out 3-2 here and, and didn't win. They've just been a more inconsistent team on the road in, in the – or at home, rather, at in home, these playoffs yeah. – so yeah, six and five now the Celtics record at home 
in the playoffs, and you look at uh, eight and three on the road. So they've been a better road team than a home team for whatever reason. Now the Warriors have been a much better home team than road team. So there you have it. But I, I think I think there's almost a quiet confidence that that the Celtics are going to play better on the road. Might not add up to a win, but. I just didn't think they played great last night. I think maybe you and I disagreed a little bit. Like, hey, they they played well enough to be right there and have the lead in the fourth quarter. They couldn't finish it. But I I just thought they didn't play really a winning game top to bottom. I thought the Warriors at times didn't either. But the shot making was more on point, I felt, for the Warriors last night. And a lot of that was Steph and his legendary performance to where they I never really felt like they were losing the game last Mm -hmm. night, to be honest. Yeah, I got you. Like I said last night, I didn't think Boston played great, but I do think that when you have a five-point lead in the fourth quarter at home in the NBA Finals and you got a chance to take a 3-1 lead and really grab the series by the throat, you gotta, you got to, no matter who you are, you got to take care of that. I know this Boston team has been subject to these ups and downs, but to me that's just a blown opportunity whether you played well up to that point or not. Uh, it does speak to one of the, the avenues of victory for the Warriors here. And it's curious because, you know, Boston is such a great uh, defensive team. I don't think that's an overstatement. They're a great defensive team, and yet they have this knack for blowing leads at home because at times, you know, they have the self-destructive tendencies and they have issues at times in the half court. And that's why the Warriors, you can see even when they get behind, I mean, they they know that that's okay because this team's going to give us opportunities. When those opportunities arose last night, the Warriors took full advantage of them. I, I know in the past, me personally, I've been tempted to look at a loss like last night for Boston and say, boy, that's going to be tough to bounce back from. But I don't think it is with them, J.D., because they're just like, no. yeah, that's what we do, and then we just got to come back and win the next one. Yeah, I, I don't think it is for them for the reason you mentioned, but I also just didn't think it was that that backbreaking of a of a loss. I mean, they didn't have a big lead led by no more than seven, and it just never felt like they were able to gain a lot of separation uh, in the game last night because they just weren't playing well enough to, to gain that separation. So, no, I, I think, look, they've been through it. They've won a couple of game sevens. They've won an elimination game six on the road. They've won a game five and a game seven in mm-hmm. the same series with, with they were tied at 2-2 and 3-3. So I, I think they're it was almost as expected, I think, that this series was going to be 2-2 going back to the Bay. And then uh, we'll see if, if the Celtics can win a second one at Chase Center. I mean, that was always kind of the big question for me. I thought they'd get one of those first two. I thought the Warriors would split it here. And then, all right, best of three, it's on. And that's exactly where things sit now with with the game at Chase in San Francisco on, on Monday night. Let's uh, Let's get back to the phones. Uh, Wendy in San Ramon on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Wendy. Hi, good morning, guys. I want to make a comment. You know how Steph, when he when he, he's on the court, he keeps sticking his mouthpiece in and out, in and out? I don't think that's a good idea anymore. Thanks for the call. Why not? Actually, why, why not, Wendy? No, nope, we lost Wendy. Okay, maybe COVID. Maybe she had COVID concerns. I don't know, but uh, yeah, yeah. Wendy better be careful because Skip Bayless is going to hear that. That'll be his next thing. Because what else does he have at this point? Steph Curry with what he does with his mouthpiece. He shouldn't do that. So I don't know. That that's about right. the only criticism anyone can have of Steph Curry anymore. Finals MVP and four-time champion. He shouldn't be doing that. It's not sanitary. <laughs> <laughs> Amari. In Oakland, Amari, you're next here on on Warriors this week. Hey, Amari. 
I wanted to say, even if the Warriors don't win the series, Steph probably more 25, 30-point game. Also Amari, we – we we lost you there for a yeah. second. Did you say that Steph will probably win the MVP even if they don't win the series? We lost you for just a second. Yeah, I, okay. they might. Steph might win the MVP if they don't, even if they don't win the finals. Mm-hmm. I I think that's Thanks a valid so. argument. Yeah. He just had one of a great finals, like one of the greatest finals game we have to see yet. Okay, thanks, Amari. We'll we'll move on from Amari there. He's having some tough issues with with his connection. You said it last he's right, night though. on Warriors wrap yeah. up. Yeah, you yeah. said it last night. I mean, if if Steph averages let's say thirty in these last three games and they don't win, he he might be in line for the for the Jerry West. Yeah, and I think Jerry West is like the he did that. I think he won an MVP in a series where they where they lost. But yeah, he's on track for that. Obviously, he cares more about the win than than the MVP award. But that, I mean, I wonder the extent to which that would shut up the critics. Anyway, it's a great point, Amari. I think he's on track for the MVP right now, whether they win this series or not. Uh, let's keep it moving. Uh, the real Austin in San Jose. Mm. What's up, Austin? How you doing, man? Hey, fellas. Happy Saturday. Hope you have uh, a good trip. Have a safe trip back, uh, JD from the uh, East Coast. Listen, um, Whitey, got to get on you a little bit, man. I mean, you just said something about Steph Curry. I think earlier that. You said he threw away some passes and he's got to clean out. I said, that's like going to a five-star dinner and complaining about the temperature of the water, you know, at the table. So I just wanted to get on a little bit about that. I mean, the man put on a virtuoso performance for the ages, and it wasn't just the shooting guy for me. I think somebody said earlier it was the, the bag that he bought last night was incredible. I mean, the shots that he took off balance, the bank shot that he made over uh, the, big, the big center, and then the one where he – he faked out about four guys and then took a shot in the lane, a runner in the lane, which is incredible. So he put on, a, I think, a virtual performance. And then the other thing I wanted to say, people talk about toughness. I know that Draymond was in and out, but give some credit to Louie, man. He cracked he cracked Jalen Brown and he cracked uh, uh, Smart a couple times on screens, and they were both grabbing their shoulders. I mean, it was a lot more physical than people give, give, give Looney credit for. I mean, that dude came off the bench, and he's a beast. And finally – how about, how about our boy Wiggins, man? I mean, 17 and 16, and if you don't get that 16, those rebounds, you don't win the game, even if Steph does do what he does. So I just wanted to say that, guys, and happy Saturday. Take care. Thanks, Austin. Appreciate it. Yeah, and it wasn't just the rebounds, but it was putbacks for for right. Wiggins. I mean, points right off of the rebounds. Uh, Looney had a couple around the basket. And, yeah, Steve Kerr said it last night. I mean, he is the Warriors' best screener. And, yeah, he, he laid wood to, to a couple of the Celtics. And I, I think that's something to keep an eye on. Bigger picture, moving toward Game 5. It's the, the battle of attrition in this series. The Warriors, the older team. The Celtics, the younger team. And Draymond, we've talked about it a lot. How, is, how does he look physically in, in some of these matchups? And, and, and maybe a little bit overmatched at, at times, Whitey. But I think the Celtics did last night start to look a little bit tired. Maybe it was the the second game in in three nights for them that hurt him a little bit, and I do think they looked a little banged up. Robert Williams looked like, I mean, Bill Russell last night in the first half, and then he looked like uh, he He looked like Bill Russell now. 
Yeah, in the fourth in, quarter, in the, exactly. He looked like Bill in the four, yeah, <laughs> it, exactly. And so he's and and throughout the playoffs, that's kind of been the story with Robert Williams the third. Like he's looked tremendous in 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 halves and games, and then and then like a non-factor because he's really laboring in others. So I think the the attrition and and where teams are physically. Marcus Smart uh, got got hit and knocked down under the basket late in the game under the Celtics basket and got up and really was taking inventory as they were going into a timeout for for a lengthy period of time and kind of kind of hobbling a little bit so you know where the Celtics are at physically is part of this equation as much as where the Warriors are at physically also although the Warriors are the older team so you feel like maybe they're a little bit more vulnerable as this thing goes on a little bit deeper but the Celtics played more games in those first three rounds. That was surprising. I noticed that, too. You could see that, wow, Boston's fading in the fourth. They look like they're fading physically uh, against Steph as Steph wore them down. A little bit of a surprise. Yeah, we talked yesterday about Robert Williams at third. Now, that would be a challenge for him, and he had a really good first half. And then by the fourth quarter, you know, he literally was limping. I mean, what he's given them right now, it's, it's really uh, impressive. To uh, the real Austin's point there, the offensive rebounding was huge for the Warriors last night because, you know, it was so bad in the previous game. And you had Wiggins had three offensive rebounds. Draymond had five, and then Wiggins, excuse me, Looney had four. So that's big. And to Austin's point about the turnovers, I wasn't, I wasn't nitpicking on Steph's night. Someone called and said, what do the Warriors have to do to win the series? I said, you know, one thing they can do is clean up the turnovers. And one of Steph's passes last night, I did point out, that was the type of error that can easily be cleaned up. But – He's right. I mean, to criticize Steph for his turnovers last night is uh, is is probably sports radio malpractice. Joe and San Bruno next here on ninety five seven. The game. Hey, Joe. Hey guys. Uh, first of all, of course, uh, with Steph, I rate him as his best offensive performance ever. He was spectacular. And what I want to talk about is the Warriors' defense and what the Warriors did at the especially toward the second half was just like what the Celtics did. When they figured out with KD, you had to crowd KD and that created turnovers. And I hear Jeff Gundy repeating the Jim Barnett mantra, do not let your man go right. And Clay did that spectacularly, especially on Jalen Brown, who has to go right, otherwise he's a turnover machine. Even, even Tatum, he wants to, when he's going left, he wants to spin right. So that was a great key to their success. And the other thing was with Jordan Poole, uh, to me he's almost unplayable because of his defense and lack of defense. And in high school, his coach said he didn't even think about defense. And last night, I don't know if you guys saw this interview he had on court, and the reporter asked him what he learned from the game, what he can do to improve. And he was basically begging Jordan Poole to say, hey, I have to improve my defense. But Jordan Poole just wanted to talk about his offense, and that's it. What's it going to take to have Jordan Poole change his mindset and start to think and talk about improving his defense that's a good question maybe maybe it's the the big payday and and then once that box is checked he he can relax a little bit I think also part of it is just growing up a little bit in the league and wanting to maximize the kind of player that 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 you can be I mean there's room for him to grow as good as he's been I think on on both ends but he did look a little bit more comfortable last night on the offensive end which I, I think you know, the Warriors are getting enough defense from other places, at least they did last night, to where they needed his offense. And and that was the most impactful and and just, I thought, forceful offensive performance that he he's had to this point in the series. I would say this, Joe. 
just because Jordan Poole doesn't want to acknowledge his shortcomings publicly, it doesn't mean he's not aware of them. In some ways, and this goes back to when he struggled in 2019, he reminds me of Tiger Woods when Tiger was at the top of his game. If Tiger wasn't playing well, he would never acknowledge, he would never send him a slump. He would say, oh, I hit the ball well. He would never do that. And Jordan Poole's the same way. He's never acknowledging that, boy, I need to do better at this. We like to hear that from players. He does not go there. He didn't, yeah, I'm really, my shot is not going in. He has never done that. He does not like to publicly acknowledge that. Now, it's a problem if he doesn't, if he's not aware of it, but I think he is because I think Steve Kerr makes him painfully aware of that. I know that's been a real issue with the Warriors. They're trying to get him to play better defense, but I would say that, J.D., um, maybe it's, it's, it's a fine point, but just because he doesn't sit there publicly and say, boy, I really need to work on my defense. That doesn't mean that he's not aware that that's a weak spot of his game. He just doesn't like to talk publicly about things he needs to do better. I think that's a good point. Good point. Well said. Bob and Marin, you're on Warriors this week. Hey, Bob. Hey, guys. Uh, I just wanted to say, did you guys get any sleep? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I know Whitey did. I know Whitey was maybe concerned I didn't. But, yeah, no, we're good, Bob. Yeah. Who could sleep uh, after that say, game, uh, Bob? Who could sleep after that game? <laughs> I was going to say, because I, I think I've called three times now, and this is the third time I've called the same show in the last 24 hours, and you guys have <laughs> done a good job. And I think we are on a very big high right now in the Bay Area, what Steph Curry did. And I think uh, Boston's going to come really hard, and hopefully Draymond watches some films, because there were some instances in that game where he was just hanging out on the wing after distributing the ball to whoever he wanted to distribute the ball to and waiting for something to happen, and that's not like Draymond. And I think that's going to change. And once that changes, it's going to open up a little bit more shooting room for someone like Clay or whoever's hanging out on the wing. Um, but I think Boston's coming, and they're going to come hard in the first quarter. Got to weather the storm and, and win this next one and then just wait, wait to see what happens and get back to uh, – Thanks, Bob. Good good phone call there. Yeah, you, you don't want to get game four and everything that goes with that, Whitey, and then come back and not be able to win game five and put yourself in an elimination situation back in TD Garden. That would be tough. And I think that is also why last night's win was, was so huge because now you, you avoid that as long as you can win at home. I just want to say thanks again to Bob, you know, for the kind words and some of the people that we've been talking to, J.D., on, on the show the last uh, couple of days. We, I, I don't know about you. I'm talking to him more often than I talk to members of my own family, and, you know, lately. Cause it, and it's been great. I mean, we're just – it's been great to be on the air so much during these finals, and this has been such a, an entertaining series. I was just thinking last night – I don't want this thing to end. No matter what happens, I'm going to be sad when this thing ends. But um, to Bob's point, I'm really curious to find out what Boston is going to do defensively. Um, Are they going to do anything differently against Steph? Are they going to say, look, we're defending well, but this guy's killing us. My guess is that they're pretty much, you know, they're going to try to get Horford out a little higher. They're going to try to get Williams to make sure he doesn't drop too far back in the drop coverage, which is harder when he's hurt. Other than that, my guess, J.D., is they're pretty much going to stick with the way they've been defending him. But perhaps, you made the point last night, maybe they trap Steph more in the backcourt to try to get the ball out of his hands. Um, I think they feel like they played well enough overall to win that game last night despite Steph's 43. So my guess is defensively they won't change anything up, but I'll be very curious to see uh, whether they do. 
they've got the, the, the trapping Steph and the doubling Steph in their back pocket. And I think the one thing that, that they probably had in their game plan was that they didn't want to go to that until it was really an emergency situation. And I'm not sure even Game 5 necessarily, at least at the outset, would be that kind of a emergency situation. But, but we'll see. Uh, because I think the more you give the Warriors a look at that, the more they're able to use that to get their offense in a rhythm. And I actually think Draymond specifically can get into an offensive rhythm if you defend Curry that way because a lot of times it makes him able to be a more efficient playmaker, whether it's getting the ball back to Steph mm-hmm. or whether it's playing four on three as a quarterback with some movement toward the basket. So I think that actually plays into not only you know maybe you're, you're taking away Steph, but you're also maybe re-engaging Draymond to get his way back into this series a little bit offensively as well. The other danger with that is it's kind of a pick-your-poison, <clears throat> excuse me, because Steph, it's one thing when he's got the ball and he's attacking Horford off the pick-and-roll, but if you get him off the ball, you trap him, he gives it to Draymond, then you gotta be with, you got to deal with Steph off the ball. You know, and he's really, in some ways, harder to guard when he doesn't have the ball because he's so active. So that's the other part. Hey, do we trap and get the ball out of his hands? I'm not sure that really helps us. So that's another reason why I think they're pretty much going to stick with what they've been doing to this point. Robin in San Francisco. Hey, Robin, how are you doing? You're on 95.7 The Game. Hey, guys. Um, thanks for taking my call. I, I have to admit again, I watched part of the game and, 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 and listened to it uh, because I've been working double shifts uh, pretty much like you guys. Uh, so I woke last night to 12, and I had to be back right here at work at 6.30. So thanks for um, taking my call. I have a couple of remarks. Joe um, uh, saying Poole is unplayable. Well, let me tell you something. He came off that bench and gave us those points we needed. Was it about 10? I did see that part. So even though Curry was great, look at all the little small pieces that came at the right time. I mean, you could be lousy the whole game. You guys know this. And if you start a one shot, a one shot, a one shot can make you a winner if it's the right shot at the right time. So then we started having Wiggins. So I think they started feeding off Curry. It started Wiggins. They had 61 rebounds to Boston's 49. So every time we out-rebound, we, we win. Looney's defense and that block on White was great. A couple of questions, you guys, you can answer for me that I, uh, I've had on, I um, read on Twitter because I didn't detail the game yet. Is Bogart said that uh, uh, that um, he thought Kerr came upon a few random uh, lineups that would work. If you guys can point those out, that would be great. And then Pat Beverly, who I never listened to, but he did say that Steve Kerr makes some great um, coaching adjustments. And just like to know. Um, what those were, if you know, Stinny. And then my last thing I would like to ask you guys is that the times that I've seen Tatum on on Curry, I really don't think Tatum can guard Curry all that well. Um, He seems to uh, uh, get tired and smoked by Curry. And just wanted to know if that was uh, the wrong observation on my part. Peace out, you guys, and get some sleep. We're not getting any younger. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks, Robin. We're, we're working people like you are, no doubt about it. Have to do it and, and having a great time. But let, let's pause, Whitey. We can address some of what Robin had to say because there was a lot of good things to get to uh, on the other side. Wanted to make sure we didn't make her hold through the break here. But 888-957-9570, we got some phone lines open. 
Uh, Warriors this week rolling on here. Series tied at two. We'll get to uh, get to some takeaways from Robin's call here on the other side on 95.7 The Game. Tatum, his pass blocked by Draymond. Picked down the air by Poole. Poole leading the break. Pulls up. It's a new millennium fast break, and it leads to a three. Now back to Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. John Dickinson in Boston and Whitey Gleason in the Bay. 888-957-9570. We're rolling on here. Series tied at two games apiece. We've got a lot of people that want to talk on the phone lines. Charlie, Leroy, Terry, Corday. We're coming to you next, but Whitey wanted to address a couple of couple of things off of what Robin had to say before the break there. So I'll just I'll kind of let you get first crack at it. Robin pointed out that Jordan Poole had a better game. He did score 14 points last night. But let's be clear about one thing, and now someone's going to say, well, why you shouldn't say that after they won? Jordan Poole did have a nice game last night. They needed what he gave them. But as far as you know, defensively, we had a previous caller talk about how Poole needs to be more aware of his defensive deficiencies. I'm not sure that he isn't aware of those deficiencies, but they're still there. Last night in 20 minutes, he had four fouls. So that's still an issue. He's got to produce offensively like he did last night in order for the Warriors JD to be able to keep him on the floor. They need the offense, period. Yeah, like yeah. The defensive deficiencies aside, they need the offense because they weren't getting it from Clay. And as great as Steph was, they're not getting anything from Draymond on that end. They needed the Curry legendary performance, but they also needed Wiggins points. They also needed Poole's points. They needed all of it, and, and they got it. They needed Clay big down the stretch, and they got it, and that's why the series is tied, and the Warriors are not looking at a 3-1 hole trying to, to save their season on Monday night in San Francisco. Let's get to Charlie here tipping us off in this segment on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Charlie. Hey, what's up, guys? I think I talk to you guys more than I talk to my own wife. Yeah. Especially at least during the, during the Warriors playoffs. Um <laughs> Uh, we call. Are we call. Why do we call him Porter? First quarter Porter now because he's starting. Yeah, there you go, Charlie. All right. Uh, I, I last night I talked about uh, this morning. I should say <laughs> when I called you guys. Um, uh, I, I went back and watched the fourth quarter, and I rarely do that uh, with most games unless it's an iconic performance. Clay's defense in the whole fourth quarter was fabulous. I pointed out the play on, on Brown late in the game with less than a minute to go. But his, his fourth quarter defense was just over the top, in my opinion. Um, I, told, I mentioned last night how I thought the Celtics, for the first time in this series, looked a little tired. They also looked stunned. I mean, I, I went back. Well, a lot of times when I watch, uh, go back and watch a game, I'll watch when uh, last night was Steph was sitting in shots. I'll glance at the, the Celtic bench. I'll I'll watch the bench or players on the court. They look they look stunned. Now, uh, whatever that means, I don't know. The, the one thing in this series is games haven't carried over. Um, like you pointed out, Celtics haven't lost two in a row in in two months. Uh, outside of that fourth quarter in Game One, the Warriors have played relatively or really well at home. Um, the Warriors haven't had control of this series yet. I would really like to see them, out, outside of being a fan, like them to see win, win game five and just see how how that affects the Celtics in game six. Um, also, going into game five, where, uh, some of the callers are assuming that the Warriors are going to win. 
Uh, the worry is going to play with that desperation and force. That's the word you use, JD, and that's the word that I, I, I love. That word. Are they going to play with that force on Monday night? You assume the Celtics are. You assume they're going to play desperate. Um, I, I, and and at home, role players are they going to? Is Jordan like you just pointed out? Jordan Poole. He needs to play better. If Celtics decide to blitz Curry, one of these guys have to step up. Particularly Clay, is, or can we get a game six Clay in game five? Anyway, those are all questions I've just thrown out there. I'll keep listening, guys, and uh, have a good show. Yeah, appreciate it. Charlie checking in here on 95.7, the game. His line open, 888-957-9570. I think if the Warriors win game five, and I jotted down a couple of things here to get to, but I think if the Warriors win game five, there's an opportunity to come to Boston for game six and, and really – really have it be set up to play out, I think, somewhat like last night's game, where you know mm-hmm. you don't need the game, but the onus is almost on the Celtics to come out and, and really play perfect or their or their season is over. And and, and I, think, I think playing that game from the position of advantage of, of leading 3-2 really helps the Warriors because they can, they can hang around. They, they came back in both games in Boston. I feel like the crowd there will be a little tight if anything goes a little bit awry or if there is even that feeling that, oh, the Warriors are hitting some shots and, and the lead is, is six and maybe it should be 12. And and I think those things start to, to creep in a little bit. Just that you can't, as well as you played, kill these guys, end these guys. And and so I think getting game five sets up game six uh, in, in that way. Uh, I'm interested. I know you you seem to think that that there could be maybe more of an impact on the way the Celtics lost leading into Game Five. I, I didn't notice the the stunned looks. I think Whitey, maybe you did uh, notice some of that. I mean, just the daggers that Steph was hitting them with. I mean, how can you not think, damn? Like if one or two of those shots don't go in, maybe we're looking at a completely different series. Yeah, Charlie, as he did earlier this morning, made some really interesting points. I I think one thing Boston has proven. Uh, is that they can really struggle in one game and then they come back in the next game. So, yeah, I, I'm not suggesting that, boy, what happened last night? Look out, they're done now. Uh, but Charlie's point about the Celtics being stunned, J.D., it gets me back to what you said earlier about uh, Steph's shot-making. I mean, Steph against the best defense in the NBA, and we know that they have defended well. He is, so far in this series, he's averaging 34 points, but he's made half of his shots against the best defense in the NBA. A defense that is geared towards, we stop this guy. Everything they're doing, we stop this guy. They can't. He's made half his shots. He's made 49% of his threes. And last night, yeah, there were times when Steph brilliantly would get Horford in the pick and and take advantage of that but there were also a number of times where the Celtics defended Steph fairly well it's like there's no shot here okay but he just he just made a three and I think that's something that's a little stunning that's something they haven't seen a lot this year where they defend well there's barely any room there for the guy to take the shot and he still buries a three a dagger three as you said that's if the Celtics were stunned at all last night I think that's why yeah and I thought you know the other thing that can be really deflating are, are second chance points and yes, offensive sir. rebounds and yeah. putbacks. Mm-hmm. And the Warriors had a bunch of those at, at big times. Uh, you know, Clay Thompson's three to put the Warriors up six. I mean, that that was another one of those game ending type dagger shots where you're thinking, man, you've defended him well all game, but there he is right there to put you to bed. 
What'd you think of this? Uh, and Steve Kerr probably would, you know, trying to give some flowers to Dre because he got benched. But he said, let's see, uh, Horford makes a three to cut it to three again. And then you had Draymond with the assist to Looney for the basket. And Kerr said, most important basket of the game. It was a huge offensive rebound, I, mm-hmm. I thought. I mean, that was, the, that was the, the biggest part of it. But, yeah, I think he was trying to go out of his way to, to really downplay the fact that he benched him. He, I mean, he did. He benched him due to ineffectiveness. He did get him back in there. But I think he was trying to make sure by getting him back in there and making sure he praised him, knowing Draymond wasn't happy about it, to just kind of get everybody to move off of the fact that he was benched and more onto the fact that they won the game and Draymond helped them win the game, even though maybe he wasn't playing well earlier on. How big of a topic do you think that would be if the Warriors had lost last night? We're barely talking about it, and we shouldn't because it worked. And well, the, the, the lineup that – and by the way, that was the other thing that Robin was asking about. What about some of the lineups that, that Curry maybe stumbled upon? And I think we're talking really about Thompson, Wiggins, Looney um, – Curry and Poole, right, when Draymond was benched. And that lineup uh, went on an 11-4 to run against the Celtics uh, before Boston called timeout. That, I think, was that, hey, look at this. This lineup works that, that Robin was referring to. No, I think, I think that's something to go back to in the, in the back pocket. And I think, you know, getting, getting into that lineup or some of those combinations, that, that goes back to maybe Otto Porter starting. And while that was not really a, effective necessarily, it did set different rotation patterns and different groups playing against each other at different times in the game. So while Otto didn't do a lot, uh, I do think I do think the move set up some other things that maybe maybe allowed the Warriors to to be a little bit more fluid and hang in there through the through the course of the game, Whitey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing how well Bielitz is playing. You look at his numbers, like, eh, but he's actually contributed. And, of course, GP2 had that huge poke away last night, and he made two or three shots. He's a huge piece, and this series, I think, would look a lot different if the Warriors didn't have GP2 to turn to. It's allowed them to not have to play Iguodala and not have to feel like they have to play Iguodala because I think he's physically overmatched for where mm-hmm. he's at at this point, right. uh, whether it's age and some of the injuries and just the – the individual matchups, he seems a little bit a little bit overmatched, and so having Peyton in the back pocket to be able to play has been really beneficial. Let's uh, keep it rolling here. Leroy in Oakland next on ninety five seven. The game. Hey, Leroy. Hey, JD Whitey. It's been a while, man, but you know I love you guys. Hey, man, look. Perfect segue because JD, me and you had talked like early in the season, and. One of my keys to this season was I was looking directly at Steve Kerr for the first time since he's been here. And my thing to you, J.D., was this season to me, the percentage of what's going to sit in Steve Kerr's lap, that percentage is going to be pretty big. I said because, J.D., you might remember this quote, the George Seifert years are over. I think 15, 16, I mean, he just, not saying he had a ready, ready made team, but I mean, these guys, Mark Jackson had them playing, Steve Kerr came in and, and picked up and, and, and instituted his, you know, brand of basketball. But being the people that we lost, you know, all the people that we lost, I was like, how are these secondary guys, right, going to come in and be 
kind of what Livingston was, kind of what David West was, kind of because I was looking at those numbers and those assists and those rebounds, and I was like, the others got to be right along there. And for the first, you know, two series, Denver and Memphis, they were right there with those other guys of the past, right? They were right there. And then they started running into a tougher competition, and they started to fall off a little bit. I think Paul will be fine. I think that one part of his game was going to suffer just because we're playing elite, elite opponents. Some part of his game was going to suffer, and unfortunately it's been the defense. But he needs to get this experience, and I think he's going to come back great next year because of it. I want to say this before I go. J.D., rebounds, assists, Jordan yes. Poole, come on, man. This is what I'm looking at. One assist, one rebound. I mean, come on, Pritchard is outplaying you in those two categories. And that just cannot happen. When Jordan Poole is dropping three, four dimes, grabbing three, three rebounds, go back and look at it in this playoffs this year. We're down here unbeatable. When we hold Marcus Smart under 18 points, under 17 points, we're down there unbeatable. So I think the Warriors got to look at that. Don't let Marcus Smart get off. I don't care whoever else gets off. Jalen Brown, Horford, I don't care. Don't let a 12.1 point a game in the regular season shooter, and that's what Smart is, 12 points a game in the regular season, start scoring 18 points. And so I think we'll be fine. Um, I think this is going to go seven. It was big getting that game last night, and uh, I think we're going to get that seventh game at home. Love you guys. Thanks for the call, Leroy. Great call. 888-957-9570. Go ahead, Whitey. One of the reasons I think Poole's assist numbers are down gets back to, again, the fact the Warriors are kind of running some different offense because of Boston defensively. I mean, last night, would you say the Warriors offensively had a good night? Well, it was good enough to, to win the game by 10, but they only had 20 assists. So I think that's part of what's going on with, with all the assist numbers. They're just off. They're running a different offense. They're initiating with the high pick and roll a lot more than they typically do, and that's affecting some of the, some of the numbers. Uh, you know, overall here, I'm just looking at Poole numbers and they're pretty good numbers overall which is impressive considering how much he struggled uh, at times I'm not worried about pools rebounding but I think Leroy hit on one of the the keys to the win last night the way the Warriors rebounded and to the point you made earlier JD the offensive rebounding in particular especially given how they got embarrassed in that department in the last game the Warriors responded there last night Steph Curry responded you know, by filling some of that leadership void where, where Draymond usually provides that. So that was a real um, real courageous gut check win for the Warriors last night. Well, and the rebounding, I think, goes to the, the forceful play and, and the yeah. defense and, and the physicality and, and, and matching all of that, and the Warriors were able to do it. Terry and Martinez on 95-7 the game. Hey, Terry. Yeah, uh, hi, J.D. and uh, Whitey. I really enjoy your show. I watch it I listen to it every Saturday. Uh, I had a question about when there's a loose ball and our players dive for the ball, and it seems like anything can go. It's like a rugby scrub. And it's uh, this happened twice with a Curry involved, and I was wondering how come the refs don't call any fouls when our players just jump on another guy when he's helpless on the ground? 
Yeah, I, that's an interesting call, Whitey. I mean, I, I think it's a great question. Typically, it's a, mm-hmm. it, it it is a great question, and I think at times there's. I think they don't call anything because there's probably three or four they could call, and it's hard to pick. That's sort of how I've always looked at it. And, you know, at the bottom of that pile, the other, you know, Steph at one point had the ball, right? Like he had the ball in that particular situation. Didn't he? Forgive me. I'm trying to remember. Didn't didn't he have the ball at the bottom there? That sounds right. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's, it's ludicrous, Terry. Yeah, go ahead, J.D. Great question. No, I just, (laughs) if he has the ball, then I think a lot of times it's not like you have to impede him from, from having the ball to get something called. And that's, so I've always kind of thought it, it does turn into an anything goes type of a, a situation. Yeah. If you're, you, you pump fake me and I'm in the air and I land anywhere near you, it's a foul on me. But if you're on the floor and you're going after the ball and I just vault on top of you, that's not a foul. And I don't understand that. I think you see that even at the college level, Terry, I, I'm with you. I don't understand, especially given uh, how you know keenly aware the league is and should be about player safety. I would rather see that call in such a way that when a guy's on the floor, as soon as there's contact, if someone dives on him, you can't dive on the other player. That's a foul, okay? And that's going to protect players. It's going to clean up some of that. That scrum in which Steph got hurt uh, in the last game, and I'm not just saying this because he got hurt on it. It turns out he's fine, but that was ridiculous. Ridiculous! You had people diving on top of each other and rolling around for a longer period than I think that I've ever seen, and it just doesn't make any sense. The officials need to get together and say, you know what, that's a foul. If you jump on somebody, it's a foul whether they're standing up or on the floor. I do think that needs to be cleaned up, and I hope it is before someone gets seriously hurt. I also thought Steve Kerr had a good point where he said, you know, that was a rebound we probably should have had and didn't get. And if that oh, doesn't, absolutely. If, we, if, we, if we get the rebound, none of that happens. And, and it, you know, then, then, then our best player maybe, and he didn't say that part, but I, I kind of added that part in my mind. Then our best player maybe doesn't find himself in a position where he does get hurt and, and, and maybe ends up in a vulnerable spot for the rest of this series. Corday in Oakland on 95-7 the game. Hey, Corday. Corday. Hey guys, um, I just want to say that maybe I'm, I'm, I'm I have a different mind, but I was pulling my hair out last night because the type what the, the the turnovers are just alarming, and they were just piling up like nobody's business. Now this has been a problem with them for years, I understand, and they eventually won the game last night, but. I just think, you know, going forward, there it, it's it's something that could really be their undoing in these at least, you know, two games that could be left, you know. And if it's not addressed, it, it, it could come back and, and, and really be their undoing. I think turnovers, Corday, and, and we appreciate the call both ways – Mm-hmm. are going to go a long way toward determining who wins this series. If the Celtics are able to force them, and I think more so if the Celtics are just able to avoid them, I think they have an advantage in this series. And I think it's it goes back to something we talked about leading up to Game 4. And it kind of clicked after Game 3. The Warriors need to force turnovers. I, I think they're just, against the Celtics' defense, I'm not sure how much they can really 
clean it up because they are a little bit physically overmatched. And so it, to me it's more can you force them to get into some turnover problems as well. And if you force them to get into turnover problems, it mitigates maybe your own turnover problems, if that makes sense. Like it's it, Sure, you want to cut them out if you can, but I feel like the Warriors have a better shot at forcing the Celtics into more turnovers than they do at cutting down their own turnovers, really, because the ball pressure and the length and the athleticism is, is just everywhere. I feel like a lot of them are forced, even though maybe they don't look forced. I feel like the Celtics' turnovers, a lot of them are just they, they turn it over kind of carefully, but the Warriors making them you know, playing more forcefully is going to lead them into not only more turnovers but more bad shots, and I think that's where the Warriors can really make hay and did last night uh, in this series. Yeah, you're right, and Corday's right. It's an absolute key to this series. I don't know if this makes sense. One of the things I've been thinking about watching this series and thinking about this question, uh, both teams commit too many turnovers, but they kind of commit different types of turnovers. To me, Boston commits a lot of turnovers in part because they're willing passers, but they're not very good passers. And we talked about Marcus Smart is a good player. He's not a very good point guard. So, you know, they're not selfish players. They try to share the ball, but they're not very skilled. And I think the Warriors sometimes, that they commit turnovers because they are such good passers, and they take crazy chances that they shouldn't take. It's like, oh, my goodness. We saw a couple last night. Uh, Corday is right. I, and it, you know, before the series, Steve Kerr said, "I'm not even going to talk about turnovers because I've been talking about them for years, and it doesn't doesn't get any better." It's a key to this series. The team that can do a better job of avoiding them uh, has a huge leg up. The team that can create them and get on transition has a huge leg up. The uh, Warriors do commit a lot of avoidable turnovers, but Corday's right; it's an absolute key to who ends up winning this series. And I think to the bigger point. Uh, for, uh, picture view of it as far as as Corday goes and and what he had to say there the series isn't over and I think that is something that we, that we do from time to time need to keep pointing out we're halfway through uh, this show two hours down two hours to come and I know a lot of Warrior fans are, are feeling great and Warrior fans should be feeling great legendary performance from Steph Curry they got the help they needed from others the defensive force was there but it's still only 2-2 and the Celtics team's been good on the road and each game has had its own identity in this series, and there hasn't been a lot of, well, this happened in game one, so that's going to happen in game two, and that's going to happen in game three, and this means that's going to happen in game four. Uh, we'll keep an eye on it moving forward, but I think it's, a, it's an appropriate fear type of a statement for Corday that, that if the Warriors don't play at a, at a certain level, they could still lose this series, which is very much true. They could still lose this series as much as everybody loves the position they're in, especially compared to where they were with about seven minutes to go last night, Whitey. Yeah, one of the few constants in this up-and-down series has been Wardell, Stephen Curry. The question is how much more of this are the Warriors going to need the rest of the way, and is Steph capable of delivering what they need to, to take care of business and win this series? All right, two hours down, two hours to come. Chris, Sam, Banker Brian, Kirk in Oakland. We're coming to you next. We're going to go rapid fire right out of the top of the number, uh, top of the third hour here uh, as it is the uh, it is the 11 o'clock hour. We're looking forward to it. John Dickinson in Boston, Whitey Gleason. We're rolling on here. Warriors wrap up. Uh, well, really, Warriors this week, an extension of Warriors wrap up. Yeah. It feels like we just got <laughs> off the air from Warriors wrap up uh, here on 95.7 The Game.